Welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I am broadcasting from WOUF Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me again. Hey, if you haven't clicked subscribe or follow, be sure you go ahead and do so right now. New episodes coming out every Wednesday morning for you, and you are going to want to check it out. Now, our first segment today is going to be called Greeting People with Your Dog. We're going to talk about how to successfully approach people to keep your dog under control and keep them from getting overexcited. Then we're going to have uh, the front door 2.0. Yes, way back in episode eight, we had our title segment called the front door. We learned the ins and outs of how to keep your dog under control at the front door and greet your guests and keep it all calm and controlled. We'll talk a little more about that um, and also maybe what to do if your dog is already very excitable at the front door. Then we're going to have our Breed of the Week, followed by the listener Q&A. If you guys have any questions for the listener Q&A, dog-related, training-related, animal-related, send it over my way. Questions at speakadogcast.com. But before we get this episode started, I have to give you today's trivia question, and that question is, what is the world's smallest bird? Yes, what is the smallest bird in the world? I'll give you the answer to that question in today's podcast, so stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's greeting people with your dog. Yes, we're going to be talking about how to approach and greet people with your dog in a nice, calm way. And we're also going to be talking about how to approach other dogs as well. A um, little, little bit on that. Little, we'll do a little kind of thing. So <laughs> we have to talk about a few different aspects of this. Uh, well, first thing we're going to talk about is a few basic components and things to note that you have to start with. Then we'll actually talk about the greeting itself. How to actually approach somebody and do it in a controlled and cohesive way that's good for everybody. Then we're going to have some little bit of notes on greetings, uh, definitely some details that we need to make sure we understand besides the actual practice of greeting. And then, of course, ways to practice the greeting, the actual exercise. There's a lot of in-between things you can also do to help strengthen behaviors that we want to look for uh, in, in greeting other people and greeting other dogs. Okay, so we're going to start with a few basic thoughts here. And uh, three three components, actually, is where we're going to start. We're going to remember three components that we have to begin with before we can expect our dogs to do what we need them to when we greet other people. Okay? Now, the first thing is you have to start with training a sit. Yeah, something as basic as a sit is very important. Uh, it comes into play when we start greeting other people, the sit command and not only do I want your dog to be able to sit on command, but I want them to understand that sitting down means relaxation, and relaxation means food and affection, okay? Really, um, not only do I want to spend time strengthening the sit behavior as a command, but I also want to spend time strengthening the sit behavior when your dog throws that behavior out on their own, when they just sit down randomly, yeah, Believe it or not, if you're just hanging out at the house and your dog sits down and relaxes, just look at them and go, hey, good boy. Don't even have to have a treat every time. But we want to reward, reinforce, and strengthen that relaxation behavior, okay? Look, I've talked about it before. If I can start with a dog relaxed and then we can get excited and happy, we can always fall back to relaxed. But if we go to overexcited from excited, then I can always I can only go back to excited, right? If we never start calm, we can never get back to calm, Okay, so this is very important when you're greeting people, that your dog knows how to be calm, your dog knows how to relax, your dog looks at 
relax or sit down as a default behavior. Okay. So again, think about it. If we're out in public and we're meeting somebody, a stranger, somebody new, somebody we don't know, I need your dog to go, well, I don't know this person. This is a little different, but you know what? I'm not sure what I'll do, what to do. So I'll just, I'll default, sit down and relax. Okay. So again, really important. Yes. You want to spend time training your dog a sit command, having them sit down with a vocal cue. But we also want to spend time making sure we're strengthening, reinforcing anytime your dog relaxes on their own, okay? Look, relaxation is always good, and you always want to strengthen that behavior. So anytime your dog relaxes in general, whether it's a lie down, a sit, a, a, they go over and lay on their dog bed. I want to tell them, good boy, good girl, make sure we strengthen relaxing behaviors, okay? That's the first thing. Now, um, and, and again, the sit is also going to come into play once we get into the greeting here in a few minutes, okay? Now, second thing, your leash work. Your leash work needs to be under control. This means no pulling on leash, no jumping, no barking at distractions, um, no stopping and peeing on things every five seconds, no chasing after lizards, no chasing after squirrels, okay? Leash work has to be under control. You have to have really what it comes down to is a proper walk. Now, we've talked about it many, many, many times. There is a right, there is a wrong way to do the walk. You need to be doing your walk the right way. Guys, I have a lot of different... Um, uh, a lot of my segments, I have segments that have focused specifically on the walk. I have segments where we just talk about the walk because the walk is such an integral part of training and it's something that you have to have under control. So if you don't have your leash work under control, then, you know, I got news for you. Greeting people with your dog, it's it's, it's not going to go very well. <laughs> okay. So your leash work has to be under control. You have to have your dog be able to be focused. Okay. So that's the second thing. And the third thing is you need to be able to understand the basics of psychology, right? How those principles come into play and working within the parameters of training your dog. You need to understand what reinforcement is, what punishment is, what redirection is, what positive reinforcement, uh, positive reinforcement versus negative reinforcement is, what reinforcement versus punishment is. All these things are very, very, very important to understand if you need to be able to train your dog, whether we're working on just basic leash work, greeting people, front door exercise, socializing, even socializing, you know, you need to understand the psychology that goes behind it. So really important, guys, really, really important. Again, you can go check out all these different segments. Look, we're, we're on episode 39, which is amazing. There's so much content now, like it's crazy. I mean, I knew I love to talk about dogs, but it's been, <laughs> it's been like eye opening of just how much information there is to working with animals and psychology and training. So please, please go check back. It's just, it's a wealth of information on this podcast that I've really tried to just give you guys as much info as I can. Uh, and there are, there's some great episodes, Dog Psychology 101, great episode. Uh, another great episode that I always refer back to, Positive Reinforcement, Negative Reinforcement, and Punishment. It's been one of my favorite episodes because that information is so important. So please go back and check that out. Make sure you educate yourself. So those those three basic things. Again, first thing, we need to make sure we've got to sit under control, not only by a vocal cue, but also teaching our dog that sitting down, relaxation, that's what's going to give them food, affection, and those are the behaviors we want to hone in and strengthen. Second thing is we need to have our leash work under control, have a good walk. We have focus with our dog when we have the leash on. And of course, the third thing, you have to have a basic understanding of psychology and the principles and all, all that stuff that goes with it and how it all works, right? Okay, so that's 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 where we have to start. That's the basic, you know, prerequisite, <laughs> if you will, for greeting people with your dog. 
Without these three components, guys, forget it. It's just, it's not going to work. Training your dog's not going to go so well. You know, and again, to me, the mo- I, I would say if I have to kind of pick one of those, the leash work is almost the most important one. It is. Because if you if you can't control your dog, then forget it. You know, if you can't guide and direct behavior, forget it. So it, it has to happen. Those three components. But that one especially, very, very important. So, um Let's get into it. Let's talk about how we actually make this happen. Uh, the actual exercise of greeting people with our dogs. Now, guys, it's it's pretty simplistic. It's not really that complicated, but you have to be patient and you have to be consistent and you have to take your time. What you want to be able to do is you want to try to practice this with people who are going to work with you well. <laughs> Maybe some of your friends Maybe people who come over to the house often and maybe, hey, somebody the dog really likes and gets a little excitable for, it'll actually work in our favor. It might be a little difficult at first to work through, but it'll work in our favor if your dog likes that person that we can practice with. Okay, so here's where it starts. Let's say, let's let's just set up the scenario of we have a friend who's going to help us. They come over to the house. We're going to meet them outside. Of course, our dog is going to be leashed up. And what we want to do is we want to try to communicate to our dog in very black and white terms. The more relaxed, the more calm you are, the closer we're going to move to the person. The more excitable, the more uncontrolled, and the more unfocused you are, the further away we're going to move toward the person. Something very black and white, very simple, okay? Now, as I've talked about on this podcast before, uh, punishment. The definition of punishment is anything an animal works to avoid, right? Anything an animal works to avoid. Doesn't have to be physical, doesn't have to be horrible. So let's apply that right now to the scenario. If the dog wants to go say hi to your friend, if they want to move toward your friend, if they want to go say hi to them, then not letting them say hello is a form of punishment. Yeah. Yeah, you heard me correct. That's right. Not letting them say hi is a form of punishment. So basically, you know, again, this is kind of like the nutshell version of how it works. Again, if they relax and they're calm, I move toward the person. If they're acting crazy, I have to turn and walk away and redirect their focus. If they relax and calm down, I move toward the person. So on and so forth, and they're going to start realizing, boy, every time I relax, we get closer to this person. I want to say hi to every time I lose my mind, not so much. Now I can also bring treats into the picture, and I'm going to start reinforcing and strengthening when they're relaxed. So that's kind of the nutshell version of how this works, right? So again, we're leashed up. Let's say my dog is a little distracted, a little overexcited when we come out and they see my friend that's out there that they really like and a little uncontrolled. Now, what I will try to do is redirect the dog's focus. Now, we've talked about it before. There's all kinds of redirections we can use. I can use the kissy noise. I can call their name and I'll redirect their focus and get them to look up at me. When they do, I'm going to tell them, good boy, good girl, give them a treat and reward it. Now, let's say the focus goes back to the person. They start to lose their mind again. Well, I can turn and walk away and again, try to regain focus, kissy noise, call their name, get them to look up at me and reward it. It'll take a little bit of work and again, little patience, little time. Um, But if you start working through this and making it very black and white, the more excitable they get, the further away you go. And then you keep redirecting that focus. And instead, what you're showing them is look. Getting excited doesn't get you what you want, and in fact, it gets you the opposite of what you want. But when you look up at me, you get affection, and you get food, and we move back closer toward that person. So it'll take a few minutes, and it'll take, again, consistency, persistence, but you'll be surprised. 
if you can start to redirect that focus, get it up at you, and make it black and white, if we move away when you're crazy, we move closer when you're calm, your dog will start relaxing and slowing down. And then before you know it, it's body language is actually going to turn more toward you, right? It'll have been focused and over-engaged on that person. And then the more you work through this, the more you redirect their focus, the more you reinforce the focus once it's on you, well, then slowly its body language is going to start giving up on that person and paying more attention to you, right? So again, we get closer and closer. Now, the idea is just try to, trying to move closer and closer and reinforce that relaxing behavior your dog is starting to exhibit. Now, I usually get about somewhere between 10 to 20 feet away, and we get to a point where the dog really starts giving up on the person and just not even caring anymore because now it's not a big deal, right? And then from 10 or 20 feet away, we'll kind of just hang out for a couple minutes, and I'll intermittently reinforce the behavior and the dog starts giving up and by this point usually the dog will even like lie down and turn its back toward the person when they start showing me that when they start giving up on the person boom it's time to say hi <laughs> yeah we have to wait them out guys look training is all just conditioning it really is it's all just conditioning and it's what you condition so if your dog is excitable and in an overexcited state of mind and you give them affection, and you give them food, and you reinforce that, then all you're doing is strengthening that behavior. But if you can settle it down, redirect the focus, change where the focus is on, and instead the focus is on me as the owner, and then I have a sit and a relax, okay, this is where the sit starts coming into play too. We can start asking for a sit, okay? Then it starts to change things, and now all of a sudden what we're conditioning is that overexcitement doesn't get you anything, relaxation does. Okay. So again, moving forward, we're 10 to 20 feet away. My dog is relaxed. They've laid down. They're totally giving up on the person. That's when I'll say, all right, come on, guide them toward the person. Now, the first interaction with the person is going to be short and sweet. I'm going to guide them toward the person. They're going to sniff hello. And immediately, I mean, within a split second of that dog sniffing the person hello, I'm turning and walking away, guiding them away using the leash. So again, I'm going to walk up Quickly let them say hello and immediately turn and walk away. And as I guide them away, I'm going to tell them, good boy, good girl, and give them a treat for walking away and giving up on the person. What I'm reinforcing and strengthening here is, again, you walk up, you don't lose your mind, you walk away, you get fed. And if I can keep this interaction really short and sweet to begin with, then guess what's never happening? Overexcitement, right? And then all we're patterning is saying hello to a person and remaining calm. Now, second greeting, same thing's going to happen. I'm going to let them walk up, sniff for a split second, turn and walk away, and feed them good boy, good girl. You're going to do this two to three more times. So somewhere between like three and five times, we're going to practice that split second hello. Then the sixth time, I'm going to let them say hi for like three, four seconds. Turn and walk away, feed. Rinse and repeat that a few times. Then we're going to extend it more and more by a couple seconds each time. And then after my dog, after five minutes of this or less, I mean, you can do this pretty quickly. You'd be surprised. But after more, more importantly, after a couple successful repetitions of teaching, teaching the dog to approach the person, say hello and walk away, then and only then does my guest get to reach down and pet the dog. Because again, I don't want the person to reinforce excitable behavior. So only once the dog is calm and we've practiced it a few times and the dog proves to me that this is becoming a pattern, that's when the person gets to say hello. They're going to say hello for a split second. We're going to turn and walk away and feed. Do you see a pattern here? <laughs>
look, if I take the interactions really short and sweet, and again, keep in mind, guys, this is the training process. This is this is how we teach them. This isn't how you have to greet every person the rest of the dog's life. <laughs> this is just creating a pattern of teaching your dog to not get overexcited. Okay. Before you know it, if you take it slowly like this, what you'll discover is every interaction you do, you know, the first time this is going to take 20 minutes, the second time it'll take 15 minutes, the third time it's only going to take it, so on and so forth, that you'll be able to just walk up and greet people and your dog will walk up, wag its tail, say, hey, what's going on, buddy? Not jump on them, not obsessively lick them, not knock them over because they're so excited, not wagging their tail to the point that it's whacking them. No, it's going to be a nice, happy, excited hello. But you have to take it in these baby steps. You have to take your time and you have to be able to understand what you're reinforcing. Okay. It's very important that you wait for that calm, relaxing behavior. And it's very important. This is where most most people don't have the patience for this. That's just the reality of it. You have to wait for your dog to completely give up on that person and not care anymore. That's what you have to wait for in order to say hi the first few times. And then, like I said, once you get that, then your dogs can say hi, no problem, and it's not a big deal. But if you don't practice this, if you don't run through this exercise and those little baby steps I just broke down there, you know, forget it. It's just, it's not going to happen because then you're going to be reinforcing overexcited behavior. You have to wait for them to calm down, okay? But really, that's how we do it. It's pretty, like I said, it's pretty simplistic. It's nothing really overly complicated, but you have to look for calm behaviors to reinforce and you have to look for overexcited behaviors to punish. Simple as that. Just by withholding affection and moving further away. Maybe some collar corrections, guys, if you really need them. Uh, You can use some light collar corrections as we've talked about. There's nothing wrong with using a proper collar and using proper corrections, okay? Um, You can always take it up to that, but I try to redirect a behavior before we go to that to, to the level of like a, a punishment like that. Okay. Um, so really that's how you do it. Now, again, you know, there's a couple small notes in there to take away. Number one that I hadn't said yet, ideally <laughs> when you're teaching your dog this, when you're practicing this, when it's with people that are familiar, you know, that you know your friends that you're using as the guinea pigs for this, um, ideally your friend should ignore your dog. This whole, this whole time, until that first time that they're allowed to pet them, they should be ignoring the dog and pretending like they don't exist. I know that's not always going to be the case. That's, that's kind of an ideal world. Not everybody's that good. But really, they shouldn't be making eye contact, just pretending like the dog doesn't exist until they say hello. Because a lot of times that eye contact, those kind of things, can create overexcitement for the dog. Um, so, you know, ideal world, when you're practicing and teaching this, the person you're working with definitely should be ignoring the dog. Okay. Um, definitely keep that in mind. Uh, another thing is you always have to have treats on you guys. You have to have treats on you. There's no way to do this without having treats. I'm sorry. It's, I mean, you can, but it's going to be a lot harder. (laughs) There's no reason to make it harder on yourself. So you have to have treats for this because look at it this way. When you're out on a walk with your dog and you want to go greet somebody, Think about it. They're exciting. You know, that person is exciting. They haven't met them or they haven't seen them or they don't get to see them a lot. And they really want to see that person. If you have no reward to offer your dog in that moment, if you have no way to motivate them in that moment, other than your love, <laughs> it's not going to be enough. Uh, no, you have to have a reward. You have to have the treat reward with you as well, because food is always going to speak volumes over the affection. And especially someone they don't get to see that's more excitable, that's definitely going to be more exciting than anything you have to offer unless you have food. So make sure you have the treats on you. Now, another note I want to say here, look, when when I am out in public 
uh, with one dog, 12 dogs, I don't care what it is. I, I'm, I'm very particular on who I say hi to and who I don't. Here's the honesty time here, guys. Um, I don't say hi <laughs> to other dogs very often out on the walk. I don't because most dogs don't know how to behave themselves. It's the truth. And it's not their fault. It's their owner's fault. I know this is truth time. Sorry if I'm hurting any feelings, but you know, hey, the truth is not always meant to be uh, pleasant. It's it's the truth. It's what it is. So, you know, I pick and choose on who I say hi to and you should too. Okay, you have no obligation to say hi to anybody with your dog. Please, please be empowered by the fact that it's your dog. It's your rules. If you don't like something another dog is giving off, then you don't need to go say hi to them. Look, I don't know how many times I've heard, oh, he's friendly. And then that dog goes and tries to bite another dog. I mean, come on. Um, I, look, it's not that I don't trust you. It's that I don't trust anybody. <laughs> I don't, unless I know you, unless I know your dog, I don't trust you. It's that simple. I don't know you. Um, so please don't feel obligated that you have to go say hi. You have to let your dog sniff another dog. You don't, you don't, no matter what the other person's telling you, you don't. Okay. So please be careful of that. So again, I have a criteria Obviously, we already talked about what my dog needs to be doing in that moment in order to say hi to another dog or another person. Um, the other dog has to be giving off the same thing. I have a criteria that other dogs, my dog, and other people have to meet if they're going to say hi to my dog. And if they start not listening to me, I don't hesitate, guys. I walk away. It's my dog. It's not yours. My dog's not here for your excitement. I, I, I'm out there for reasons. And you know, look, there's another side note. And again, I'll try not to be too <clears throat> mean about this, but it's true. When you're out in public, don't reach out and pet a dog. Don't talk to a dog. Don't whistle at a dog. Don't kissy noise at a dog. Unless you've asked the owner to approach and interact with that dog. It's so unbelievably rude. Look, you don't know if another person is trying to accomplish something from a behavioral standpoint, from a training standpoint. And so to me, it's very selfish and rude to potentially interrupt a training session. Because what if what if they've adopted a dog that has behavioral issues and they've been working through them and they're having great success and they're at the point that they need to go out in public and teach that dog to ignore things and you just sent them back three weeks in their training by reaching out your hand and going to their dog. Just ask. Like, it's, it's not hard, guys. Just ask. Just say, hey, can I pet your dog? Now, another one more side note with greeting other dogs. Um... One thing I want you to know, guys, look, like I said, majority of the time, I, I, well over 90% of the time that I see another dog and I'm out with a dog, I don't let them say hello. I'll be honest. I don't over 90% of the time because over 90% of the time, whatever, there's something that dog is giving off, I don't like. Something the owner is giving off, I don't like. So if you are going to let your dog say hello to another dog, follow the same rules as approaching a person if you can. Take your time with it. Don't rush it. Make sure they're giving off the right thing. Make sure your dog is ignoring them and not caring and not over-engaged. And same to be said with that other dog. Look, if that other dog stiffens up, not a good sign. If that other dog is barking excessively, not a good sign. If that other dog is completely unfocused of their owner and doesn't care about their owner at all out there, not a good sign. Okay, so... I didn't want to hone too much in on the greeting other dogs today because, quite frankly, I don't think they need to say hi. They don't need to. They can, but they don't need to. 
Uh, and a lot of times, and I mean, again, all you have to do, guys, is observe around you when when <laughs> when dogs interact on leash out in public. Uh, I bet you more than 50% of the time the interaction does not end well. <laughs> and it's because people are not following these components of how to properly approach and greet other people and other dogs. Okay. Um, so if you are going to let your dog say hi to another dog, I want you to just consider one thing when you let them do it. Always give yourself a way out. Always be thinking how can I walk away safely from this dog right now? Because if your leashes start getting tangled or you're in a way where you can't move away quickly if the dog comes at you because it's backing you into a corner wherever you are, um, always give yourself a safe way to walk away from the other dog. Okay, so if you are going to let them say hi, be mindful of your surroundings and give yourself a safe way to get out of there. Okay, um, again, I'm not trying to make it all bum and glum, guys, but it's the reality of it. I see a lot of it on, on I mean, you just walk around, you know, walk around in public and you'll hear <laughs> more often than you want to. Um, so, you know, those are just kind of some thoughts on it. Now, ways to practice this. There are different ways we can go about practicing this well before we even have the interaction, okay? Um, look, people come and go in from the house all day, guys, whether it's work or you're running to the grocery store or kids coming home from school, you can practice teaching your dog to relax when you say hello. Just by walking in the house, having a treat nearby ready to go, asking them to sit, create some focus, and rewarding that when you walk in. So that way the excitement of a person coming, going, the uh, of greeting somebody, you're taking it down a notch and you're creating focus instead. So if you can start with a foundation at home, right, where you're actually teaching your dog to sit down when it interacts with somebody, when somebody comes in, if you can do that a couple times a day, you'll be surprised how much easier that's going to transfer out onto the walk once you greet somebody out, out in public, right? Um, so that's one way you can hit it. Anytime you come in or out of the house, you know, or you're coming, excuse me, anytime you come home from being somewhere and it's excitable that you're home, work through it with your dog. Don't get them overexcited. Instead, teach them to be calm and relaxed. Now, it's not that I don't want your dog to be excited when they see you, but I don't want them to be overexcited, okay? There is a difference between the two. So I don't have a problem with your dog coming over wagging its tail. It's happy to see you, but we don't want obsessive looking. We don't want jumping. We don't want pawing. We don't want whining. You know, obvious stuff, guys, that's, that's sort of, displaying anxious behaviors. That's not what we want. And again, if you can work through these at home, then it helps curb them once you're out on leash and out on the walk. Uh, another great way is the front door. Now, we're not going to talk about the front door too much right now because we're actually going to talk more about it in the next segment today. We're going to be talking about the front door 2.0, but the front door exercise is a wonderful way um, to be able to practice teaching your dog how to greet people. Okay. A lot of different little in-between stuff we can do there, right? Now, again, also working on that sit, honing in on that sit. One little thing I want to distinguish between the sit again, just to make sure we're honing in on that. Yes, you can teach your dog a sit with a vocal cue, guys, but make sure you're also, anytime your dog relaxes, make sure you're reinforcing it. I cannot stress that enough. There is a difference between pairing a stimulus and getting a, getting a behavior like that, you know, getting a sit and having your dog come to it on their own terms, having them think about what they're doing, going, oh, relaxing, God, it got me, so I'm going to throw out a relaxation more often, okay, so just something else to think about there, so again, guys, basic components, we want to start with those first three things, like I said, that's it we just talked about, second thing is make sure your leash work is under control, 
You have a dog who is controlled, who is focused, who's not pulling, not jumping, not barking at distractions, have to have that leash work under control. And of course, the third thing is you need to have an understanding of basic psychological principles in order to apply them. Those are those three basic things we have to start with with greeting people. Then once we do actually get out and we start greeting people, we want to do it in a controlled way making sure we're reinforcing calm behaviors. Anytime that dog is nice and relaxed, we're going to move closer toward the person that they want to say hi to. If they're crazy and not, you know, be not being focused and they're being too hyper, we're going to turn, redirect, walk away. Try to redirect focus on you by making kissing noises, calling their name. Once they look up at you, reward it with a treat. If they stay nice and calm, we're going to move back toward that person. Again, making our criteria, making our uh, terms very black and white. You calm down, we get closer. You go crazy, we move away. All right. Once your dog finally gives up and doesn't really care as much about the person, hey, that's when we say hi. Short and sweet hellos to begin with, making them nice, quick, small interactions. Turning, walking away, reinforcing with a treat. That way, the overexcitement never happens. Okay. Again. Then we let the person say hello, keeping it short and sweet. Nice short and sweet hellos, building the longer hellos. Before you know it, your dog starts understanding relaxation is what gets them something, and that's the only behavior they'll want to display when they meet new people. Okay? Uh, Takes a little practice, takes a little rehearsal. Don't forget about the criteria to look for with other people and other dogs when you interact and say hello with them. And guys, don't be afraid to say, hey, you know, my dog's not ready to say hello today if you don't like something that the other person or dog is giving off. Uh, it is your dog. Be empowered by that. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Please feel free to not feel pressure to interact with everybody you see with your dog. Okay. Of course, all those ways to practice in between honing in on the sit, working on that nice sit and focus, uh, getting some focus and being able to reward it when you come home in an excitable moment. And of course, we're going to work that front door, which we'll talk more about today as well. It is a lot. There's a lot of components to this, to greeting other people. But I promise you, if you're persistent and consistent, you take your time, you really slow down and you wait for those particular criteria, you know, that particular criteria that I talked about, uh, in order to let your dog say hello, I promise you, if you guys do this and take your time, you'll have success with greeting people in no time. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? we can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and now offering virtual training as well. For more information, check out our website, www.thenatureoftraining.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Paws. Located in beautiful Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. Next on Speak a Dog Cast, it's the Front Door 2.0. Now, way back in episode eight, we did a title segment called The Front Door. And, you know, we talk about everything on how to get your dog under control at the front door, how to be able to invite your guests in without your dog losing their mind, how to do that nice introduction to your guest, 
all that and then some, you know, it really, we really, I, I, I honed in on a lot of the details and there's a lot to it. <laughs> you know, there is a lot to it in getting your dog relaxed and under control at the front door. It's a process. It takes time. You have to be consistent with it. But man, does it work if you do it. You know, it really does. That's what I love about my front door episode. Go back and check out episode eight if you haven't listened to that yet before you listen to this, because I think it'll be really helpful. Um, but today, we're, we're, while we are going to talk about the process of how we train it a bit, we're not going to go into quite the detail I did on that in episode eight. Today, what I want to focus on more is maybe dogs that are already having issues with the front door. Maybe there is too much overexcitement going on. So it's a little maybe easier said than done <laughs> to get the front door under control. So we're going to kind of hone in on that. You know, I'll be honest, I have, I have a handful of clients right now that are maybe struggling a little with the front door. It's not going quite as well as it could be. And it's definitely more on that, you know, overexcitement side is what we're dealing with. It's not even barking. It's, it's I mean, well, barking, yes, but it's it's overexcitement, barking, not protective and, um like I said, we're going we're gonna to try to hone in more on that today. So the first thing, look, guys, the, the first way to get the front door under control, it, it's always the answer when it comes to training, more walks, more exercise. If you have already listened, to, maybe you've already listened to the front door episode and you're trying to work through it, right? Um, and you just you're just hitting a wall. You just feel like the dog is not responding. Your dog is just not focused, not listening, and you really are working hard. If you feel like you're hitting that wall, the answer to getting over that wall is going to be more exercise, <laughs> yeah, more more walks, more structure, okay? Um, normally, when we run into an issue like this with hyperactivity or overexcitement, almost always the answer is going to be we need to increase the exercise to get your dog a little calmer, especially, especially if you have a puppy. If your dog is a puppy, for sure, the answer is going to be more exercise. And I can I can hear it. They're going to go, David, I'm already taking him for an hour-long walk. Well, you better make it an hour and a half, huh? Um, <laughs> not what you want to hear, but it is the answer. It is. Uh, that's, that's at least one of the answers. One of the pieces to the puzzle to get this front door a little more under control is definitely increasing our exercise and walks. And, you know, the next thing you have to ask yourself is, again, if you do have a very overexcitable dog or a dog that you just can't control their energy at the front door, how much time are you spending working with them one-on-one -on, -one on the basics? And what do I mean by basics? I mean focus. Does your dog know when you make a kissy noise or you call their name or you snap a finger or, or you provide some form of redirection? Does your dog redirect to you? Do they pay attention to you? Can you hold their focus for more than two seconds at a time? Do they, when you ask for a sit, do they know to sit down and actually stay and focus? Or do they sit down, take the treat, pop back up, and then they're done with you? Okay. You have to ask yourself these questions because if you're not spending that extra, you know, 10, 20 minutes a day, maybe two 10-minute sessions a day, maybe not even that, maybe five minutes. If you're not doing that little bit of extra in between work, working on sit, working on stay, working on focusing on you, working on a lie down, working on basic commands, working on opening and closing the front door, the back door, any door, crate door, working on a sit and stay with being able to open the door, close the door, open the door, close the door. Do they continue to sit and stay? Do they wait until you release them? That is going to be so vitally important towards success at the front door, especially if you have a dog who's really overexcited, who, who really gets just a little out of control 
when that front door happens, right? When the doorbell rings. Um, so you have to ask yourself, are you going back to basics? Look, I played a lot of sports as a kid, you know, and when, when the coaches, when we were having issues with things, um, you know, what did he always say? It was always go back to basics. We go back. If you're playing basketball, it was go back to a dribbling drill. When I played lacrosse, we'd go back to pass and catch drills. Um, one of them, you know, a simple power, oh, man, I remember that pass and catch. It was so simple, but it was a, a sidestep and you'd have to sidestep, you know, to the right and pass and catch as you go and then flip sides and you're sidestepping to the left and passing and catching as you go. Something as simple as that is creating a basic connection back to the basics of the sport. Uh, the foundational building blocks, it, it helps you rebuild back up. You know, I often say that in training, just in general, if you're making progress with your training with your dog and things are going great and then all of a sudden you hit a wall, the best thing you can do is go back to the last place you had success, solidify it again, and then move forward. Go back to the basics. Uh, another great thing, you know, I, I, I've talked about it briefly before. I do these turns, these physical turns, they're physical redirections that we do with our leash work. It is one of the most, it's the most basic foundational building block that I do in my training. I don't care if we have a puppy through a dog with severe aggression issues. It all starts with these turns and these redirections because what they do is they provide the ability to uh, provide myself the ability to guide and direct their focus and behavior. And isn't that what training is all about? That's the foundational building block. Boom, right there, right? So when in doubt, I have to be able to go back to basics. And if you are not practicing some of those fundamental foundational basics, such as basic commands, focus, creating control, being able to get your dog to stay, again, creating control, if you're not doing that, if in between, then what do you expect your dog to do at the front door? You expect them to be perfect without that foundation work? No, absolutely not. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You know, again, I said it, I think, in the other segment today, too, right? If you can't dribble a basketball, you're not going to be in the NBA. If you cannot create basic focus with your dog, forget training. Forget once someone exciting comes to the front door. There's no way. If you can't control their focus without that stimulation, once it comes, there's no hope. There's no hope. Okay, so practicing that in-between stuff is so important. And look, I know, guys, I'm, I'm a person. I'm a human, too. <laughs> We really like to skimp on that kind of stuff, don't we? We, we Everybody wants the quick fix. Everybody wants the, you know, we, we kind of don't really worry about it until it's a problem. And, well, if you're not fixing it before it's a problem, then no wonder it becomes a problem. <laughs> so, again, if you can just spend that extra little time, five minutes here, five minutes there. Look, I say to my, same thing with myself. I should be doing 10 push-ups when I have an extra couple minutes. I should be doing 10 crunches when I have an extra 30 seconds. My goodness, if I did that three times a day, I'd be in such better shape. And I'm trying to get better at that. I'm working at it. It's something I have to work on. Um, but it's no different with my clients with their training. You got to work on it. You have to try to apply yourself a little bit more. Um, so I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but it's so important. It's so, so, so important that forget the front door exercise. Forget greeting your dogs there. Hone in on the basics first, guys. That's really so important before we can even expect our dog to listen to the front door. Look, I deal with this a lot where when I when I when I started a consultation, guys, when I go to a consult, I always start by doing the same thing with a dog. I I, I ask the dog for one thing, and that's focus. That's it. I want the dog to, to focus on me, and then I need to reward and strengthen that. 
Once I get that focus, then we start worrying about things like relaxing, then commands, a sit, a stay. But from the very first time I meet this dog, I'm worrying about controlling and creating focus. And then when we move on in our sessions and we're in a couple sessions in and we start working on something like the front door, it makes it so much easier for me to control that dog. But when I hand off the leash to the owner and I want them to do the front door exercise, you can see the focus goes out the door with the dog. And you know why? Because they're not spending extra time in between creating, strengthening, conditioning, and reinforcing that focus. It's so important that you guys take that time in between to strengthen and work on focus with your dog, okay? Um, so, you know, again, I kind of, I know we're gonna went off on a little side note there, but it's so important. So once I have that focus, guess what, guys? I can tell my dog, hey, go to your spot, sit, stay. And because I've practiced that without the front door happening, it'll be so easy that once they go, woo, 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 when they hear that doorbell, I can say, hey, dude, come here, go to your spot, sit, stay, good boy. Okay, so let's run through the process real quick. The process of the front door is they go bark at the front door. I redirect them. Now, in the very beginning, I'm going to immediately go over, leash up my dog, and then guide them over to their spot, sit, stay. We always want to leash them up, guys. We always want to leash them up in the beginning of training because we have to have the ability to guide and direct behavior. Leash and collar, best way to do it, right? Okay, leash them up, guide them over, sit, stay on the spot, reward it. I'm going to back away just two feet. Okay, tell them stay. If they stay, move forward, give them a treat. Back up, tell them stay again, back up again. This time I'm going to add two more feet. So on and so forth, giving myself closer and closer to the front door. Okay. Once I'm at the front door, I want to touch that doorknob. If the dog still doesn't react and they still stay, awesome. Go reward it a couple more times. Okay. You'll notice there's a common theme with training. It's all about rinse and repeat. So once I do one step, I'm going to rinse and repeat it a few times and then do the next step, rinse and repeat it a few times, then do the next step, rinse and repeat it a few times. And what you'll also notice is I take things in baby steps, small little gradual uh, progressions because it makes it easier for the dog to understand as opposed to I put the dog on the spot, sit, stay, and I immediately try to go open the door, right? Like without any of the other baby steps. The dog's going to get up, pop up, and try to go immediately over to the door because I didn't give them that in-between information, right? I didn't strengthen that stay enough to get them to continue to do it once I do answer the door. All right, so take my time getting to the door, then I'm going to open the door. Once I open the door, I'm going to ask my guests, hey, just hang out outside for me for just a moment. Walking back, reinforcing my dog with a treat again. There's a lot of treats to begin with. I need to strengthen that behavior a lot and give them a reason to sit and stay on that dog bed, okay? Again, ask my guest to stay. Then I ask my guest to come inside, wait at the door. Again, keeping the dog on the dog bed, strengthening, reinforcing that behavior. Then once I feel like I have the focus and and my dog is sitting and staying and being really good, I pick up the leash and I guide them forward and I let them greet the person. Now, we don't have to get into the greeting too much today because awesome. Uh, The first segment today was how to greet people. So we don't even need to talk about this because we, we honed in on it on that. Uh, We run through the greeting process and then all is well. By the time we're done with the greeting process, the dog is cool with the person there, doesn't care, calm as a cucumber, all good. Now, let's fast forward. (laughs) We've practiced this door exercise quite a few times now, okay? It's been strengthened, it's been reinforced. It's to the point now that my dog will go woo 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 at the front door when the doorbell doorbell rings. I don't even need the leash anymore. I'm just gonna say, hey buddy, go to your spot, sit, stay. Good boy. I walk over to the door. I answer the door. I say, hi, guest. Come on in. Shake hands. How are you today? Good to see you again. The guest steps inside. My dog continues to sit and stay. I say, hey, good boy. Good stay. 
when I feel like I'm ready for them, I'll say, all right, release my dog. They come over. They're going to walk right over to my guest, be excited to see them, but not overexcited, right? <laughs> maybe some sniffs, maybe a lick or two. I don't have a problem with a kiss or two here or there with the dog, as long as it's not obsessive. Uh, and then they walk away from my guest and all is well. That's how it should look come full circle, guys. But to me, what's more important than anything, all of that aside is, do I have my dog's focus? Do I have control on leash? And is, has my dog been exercised enough? If I can kind of answer those three questions with a yes, then that front door exercise is not going to be a problem for you. I can guarantee it, really. Uh, it'll come in no time. But the key to this is being consistent. The key is making sure your information is black and white. And, the, and again, the biggest, I mean, really, guys, look, when it comes to animal training in general, I don't like I said, I've said this, I don't know how many times, dog, bird, cat, monkey, skunk, otter, raccoon, person, dog, child. I think I said dog twice. Um, <laughs> it doesn't matter what kind of animal it is. It's all about knowing where their focus is and having the ability to guide and direct it. That's what training is all about. If your dog is not focused on you, how, how are you, how are you going to guide and direct their focus? If they are not focused on you, how do you, look, especially with something like a dog, dogs can only focus on one thing at a time, literally, literally one thing at a time. And so if they are just sitting there staring at the person at your front door and they could give two craps about you, <laughs> how do you think that's going to end? What do you, what do you think is going to happen? You know, so you have to take your time. You have to control that focus. You have to be able to settle down their behavior, know what you're reinforcing, know what you're strengthening. And of course, guys, we always want to strengthen calm, relaxed behaviors. Once they give us that, they can say hi to our guests all day long. So the front door, it's a process. It's a process. But to me, the most important thing, again, guys, just going to stress it one more time, hone in on that focus, have the ability to guide and direct it. And I promise you, you'll gain control over the front door in no time. The answer to today's trivia question, what is the world's smallest bird? It's the bee hummingbird. Now these guys are only found in Cuba and grow to about two and a quarter inches. Next on Speak Dogcast, it's our Breed of the Week. This week's Breed of the Week is the Rhodesian Ridgeback. Now, the Ridgeback is a member of the Hound Group. Males come in weighing around 85 pounds and females around 70 pounds. A calm, affectionate, but determined dog, the Rhodesian Ridgeback is immediately recognized with the ridge that runs down his spine and, of course, is where they get their name. Originally bred for their ability to track and corner large games such as boars, bears, and lions, this breed is powerful and athletic. But don't let that fool you. They were also bred to be a loyal and gentle family dog as well. They do great with kids. They do love kids. And they're very protective of, over their families. They are an outgoing dog, but they do need a lot of exercise and stimulation. And because of that, they don't make the best apartment dog. They can sometimes be a little difficult to train. So this is not the dog for the first time dog owner. A firm but fair leader goes a long way when working with them. They do have a high prey drive bred into them, so definitely need to be kept away from small animals. Now, generally, these guys are a healthy breed. Few health concerns here. Hip and elbow dysplasia can be common, as is, you know, common with a lot of the larger breeds, and they sometimes can have thyroid issues as well. But kept in good health, the Rhodesian Ridgeback can live from 10 to 12 years. The origins of the Rhodesian Ridgeback are traced to South Africa, where they were once known as the African Lion Dog. 
Farmers in the area were in need of a versatile dog that could withstand harsh climates, the harsh terrain of the bush, provide protection, and of course, be a good family dog. They started breeding uh, with an African dog named the Koi Koi, and they bred this dog with European dogs such as Great Danes, Mastiffs, Greyhounds, and even some Terriers. Now, this crossbreeding led the dogs to be very strong, of course, and have a natural defense against pests such as the tsetse fly. In the late 1800s in Rhodesia, which is now modern-day Zimbabwe, a man by the name of Cornelius von Ruyen is credited with creating a breeding program that led to the standardization of the Ridgeback. Now, for years, von Ruyen made his living as a big-game hunter in Africa and always had his dogs by his side for hunting and protection. The breed was definitely known to stay right by the horse's side, uh, occasionally veering off to go catch an antelope and, you know, put some meat in the pot for dinner. (laughs) The breed standard was created by 1922, and in 1924, they were officially accepted to the South African Kennel Union. Now, it wasn't until after World War II that the breed was exported in large numbers to the United States, and the first Rhodesian Ridgeback registered to the AKC was Chaika of Red House in 1955, with the breed also being recognized the same year. Next on Speaking Dogcast, it's our listener Q&A. The first question today comes from Frank from Sunrise, Florida. Now Frank says, my dog is a three-year-old rescue and we've had him for about seven months. He does not seem to listen. Ever. <laughs> he does not come when called. He will not sit or stay. He runs out the front door. What can I do to get him to listen to me better? Yeah, you know, Frank, rescues can be a little bit of a challenge sometimes. You know, you don't know what baggage your dog has come with. And, well, maybe not always, right? And sometimes rescue dogs can get stuck in a little bit of a fight-and-flight mode still. And I'm sure he's been, I mean, it doesn't sound like you're having any other issues of aggression or possessive tendency, nothing crazy like that. Um, But it's still, even if it, it may not look like it on surface level, your dog may still be a little bit in that panic mode. And if we never really pull them out of it, they they tend to not focus as well, not listen as well, and maybe bolt out the door more often than not. So that's a little that's a little more. We have a little more in depth. We have a couple things going on here. Now, the first thing I will tackle and and tell you about is I I would assume, and I'm I'm sure of it. You're probably not creating a very good walk for your dog yet. We got to get that walk under control. That's the first thing I always start with. No matter if we have a puppy through severe aggression, it's all about creating a proper walk. Of course, go back and check out my other podcast segments. I've got uh, a few segments titled The Walk, Walk 2.0, all kinds of good information in there about how to get that under control. But that's the first place we have to start. We've got to get rid of some of that excess energy that I'm, I, I can already tell is happening there. Once we get his energy to a more manageable level, then you can start the actual training process. Um, you know, feel free to reach out to me, Frank. Virtual training. You know, you're not even hey, you're not even that far away in Sunrise, Florida. Uh, but you know, you can email me back and again, and you know, we can chat a little bit. Maybe set up a virtual consultation, and then we can get a good training plan underway for you, and we can get some of this stuff, um, you know, under control, getting your dog listening better. But that's the first place that has to start, Frank. A good walk, getting that energy to a more manageable level because you have to have their energy at a manageable level in order to make their mind, uh, in order to make their brain malleable. You know, in order to, for them to be able to take in information, they have to be a, a exercised. Simple as that. So start there. 
start there. But the other place I would start is probably leashing your dog up even around the house. Letting him drag that leash around as long as he's monitored. Please don't leave your dog unattended with a leash on. That's not not good stuff. Bad news bears right there. Okay, so do make sure you keep him monitored. But you're going to want to leash your dog up so that way things like the front door, if he does go to bolt, boom, you can step on the leash or you can pick up the leash and control it. Uh, it just creates more control. And that's really what you need at this point is to create more control so then you can create focus. You can create focus. Then you can create good behaviors or desired behaviors. Hey, and then you can train your dog, right? Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, that's a little tough. You've got a couple different things going on there that we'd have to tackle from a few different angles. So a little easier said than done, but feel free to reach out to me for that virtual training and we can get that under better control. Next question. This comes from Molly from Greenville, South Carolina. Molly says, are there any dog breeds you don't like? <laughs> I like this question, Molly. Um, look, I don't want to hurt any feelings out there. <laughs> here's, here's the thing. Dog breeds are so, I mean, versatile, right? There's just so many different things, different personality traits, different uh, instinctual traits that we have developed and selectively bred over so long and the reason why is because everybody originally had a different use for a dog, right? Not everybody's going to be a hunter. Not everybody's going to want a companion lap dog. Not everybody's going to want a jogging partner. Um, and so that's that's the thing. I could say yes to this question, Molly. I could. <laughs> but at the same time, I love all dogs. I, I really do. I, I truly do love every dog out there. Yes, there are some breeds that I am more partial to than others that I like more than others. I've said it before and I won't hide this of it, you know, this side of it. I am partial to retrievers. I love retrievers. It's not to say there aren't a lot of other dogs in different groups, sporting hound. Uh, really, I could, I could select one from each group at least that I could say, oh, I really, I love that kind of, I love that breed. You know, I could play that game but I'm not going to hurt any feelings today, <laughs> at least not on a scale of a podcast. Um, I'm, I'm not going to hurt any feelings and tell you that there are certain breeds I don't like. I'll leave you. I'll leave you with this. There are certain mixed breeds I'm not necessarily a fan of, and that that's all I'll say. <laughs> so I'm sorry, Molly. I can't fully answer your question, uh, but at the same time, I'll tell you the dogs I do like. Yes, I am more partial to retrievers, and as I've said before, golden retrievers do happen to be my favorite breed. That'll wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. If you guys like what you're hearing and you're on Apple Podcasts, be sure you leave me that five-star review. If you have any questions for the listener Q&A, email me, questions at speakadogcast.com. Follow me on Instagram, speakadogcast. Have a wonderful week. And don't forget to get out there and walk your dog. Thank you.